Buckle up for a new episode of the Greenlight Personal Training Business Podcast, a podcast built for gym owners, personal trainers, and fitness enthusiasts who want to learn how to open, operate, and scale a brick-and-mortar gym or studio. Your hosts, Jeff Larsh and Dan Vizentin, have been in the personal training, gym ownership, and gym mentoring industry since 2009, and they're here to share their experience, knowledge, and failures on everything gym ownership, marketing, sales, operations, and fitness concepts. This podcast is brought to you by Greenlight Personal Training, a fitness franchise focused on positive impact of the client, coach, and owner. Greenlight Personal Training, less clients, more impact. Open your own Greenlight Studio in your city today. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Jeff and Dan. On the podcast today, we speak to Lakin Somerville, Greenlight's first franchise owner. Lakin, along with her business partner, Deontay, joined the Greenlight movement in 2022 with the intent to redefine the fitness industry and help clients attain permanent transformations that develop from the inside out. Lakin began coaching small group fitness in 2012 and then nutrition coaching and personal training in the years that followed. In 2020, like many others, she came to the realization that impacting others and seeking internal fulfillment were way more valuable to her than the security of a conventional job. So after eight years of being passionate about her side hustle, she left her corporate career in property management to make coaching her primary focus. Through her continued education and experience, Lakin has a firm belief in the power of a personalized nutrition strategy internal mindset work, and the benefit of a coach who has your back. She finds joy in helping people push past their comfort zone and overcome the burden of their doubts. As a business entrepreneur, Lakin understands the struggle of prioritizing a healthy lifestyle with a hectic schedule. She specializes in disrupting diet beliefs, overcoming uncertainty, and building consistent routines. In today's episode, Lakin discusses her entrepreneurial journey, the transition from a trainer to a gym owner, and where she sees the fitness industry heading. As always, make sure to like and subscribe. Enjoy the episode. All right. Welcome back to the Greenlight Personal Training Business Podcast. Today, we have a special guest with us, Lakin Somerville. Welcome to the podcast. Um, I'm surprised we haven't had you. I'm surprised we haven't had you on yet. Um, Seriously, but yeah, no better time than now, I guess. Um, We had to get a couple practice runs in to make it real smooth before you brought me on. Well, it's true. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like my hands are clammy right now. We're nervous to have you on as 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 our guest. So I hope we live up to uh, to the hype and expectations that uh, that I'm sure you've heard of. Um, So. (laughs) Um, So let's get started. I mean, we like to have the guests on all to learn all about their story. And I think your story is unique um, and will resonate very well with a lot of personal trainers that kind of listen to our podcast. Um, And so like, I I just like to kind of start there. I mean, so where did you start? Take us through your journey as a personal trainer um, from the beginnings and why you got into it. 
Yeah, so I actually started in the group fitness space in CrossFit. Uh, I started CrossFit in 2011, I believe, um, so a long time ago, and I just loved being in the gym. When I started training there, I just wanted to be there as much as possible. It was my happy place, and I enjoyed helping other members. Other people would you know, ask me for advice or tips pretty frequently, and so it was a pretty natural transition. I would say within six months of joining the gym, I was asked to join the coaching team and get my L1. Um, so it was, it was kind of a layup. Um, and then once I started coaching, I just, my, my love for it, my passion for it just grew over time. Um, I've coached at two different gyms, one in Harrisonburg, Virginia, and another one in Arlington, Virginia, when I relocated to the Northern Virginia area. And, um, both places were very unique in, in and of themselves of like kind of things that I picked up along the way. But it was just kind of the magic of the community and being able to coach human improvement was something that was really big for me, like to be able to see, I call it a contagious confidence, right? Like when someone learns to do a new skill or like they feel themselves getting stronger and it leaks into everything else in their life. And then you get to hear the stories about other things that they've either tried or been open to or, you know, surprise themselves by doing. I just think that that was where the magic was for me. And it just, you know, my love for it grew and grew over the years, the longer that I did it. I love that term. I mean, that's, that's something that you just don't think of, like the average person that's starting a fitness routine. It's just one of those things that they would never think of happening due to the fact that they're starting an exercise program. Right. Yeah. It, it usually does kind of fly under the radar. And then as you get to know your clients, and that's the thing that I've enjoyed the most about transitioning into personal training um, after being in the group fitness realm for quite a while was being able to have a stronger, more in-depth relationship with my clients and being able to see the, that return on their investment come through even more, right? Because I have so much more insight into their day-to-day -day lives. And so learning about things that they're able to do with their kids that they weren't able to do before, or, you know, carrying all their groceries in one trip, like things that seem small to people that take those things for granted because it just comes easy to them. Like they're huge things. Like I remember I had a client tell me like, oh man, she said, for the first time, I'm able to wrap my bath towel all the way around me, like a regular size bath towel. Right. And I was like, wow, like that, like the little things like that are what just make my day. Like, I think it's amazing. So that's very much, you know, the impact, the result that you have, that you have with your client. But what about your life? Like, was this an all in sort of thing for you when you started coaching? Were you working somewhere else still in a different job? Yeah, or, you know, what was that? What I, was that like? I wish. Um, so I always called this my my passion, my side hustle passion. And then I had like my my bill paying job, right? Or like my corporate job. So I did coaching and as far as like CrossFit coaching, personal training and nutrition coaching as a side hustle for a little over eight years. Um, oh, wow. I even, yeah, at the second gym that I was at, I was actually the GM of that gym for a period of time. And I did that in addition to my corporate job. So on the side, basically, but it was because I loved it so much. Honestly, I, there was a period of time where I would have done it for free. I just, I loved my experience there so much. And 
I wasn't comfortable enough to take the the plunge, right? To like bet on myself to go all in to do it full time. I still wanted the comfort of the salary and the benefits and mm-hmm. taking that that jump on your own as an entrepreneur is scary. And so for the longest time I just kind of did it on the side and then the pandemic actually gave me a lot of perspective about, you know, how precious time is and work-life balance and values that I just hadn't taken the time to like take a beat and analyze for myself. And at that point, it was just, it just became very clear of this is what sets me on fire. This is what is important to me. And I'm going to do this full time, like no matter what it takes. So that, so that's the major turning point for you then is just the pandemic Were you just like (laughs) forced, is it because you were kind of forced to work at home or is it just kind of like, you know, all of the, the, like the impact that the pandemic on a whole was having on people? Like what was the real kind of catalyst to making that change? Yeah, it was a, a combination of the two. So the impact that it was having on people in general and people that were directly in my you know, scope of friends or family was part of it. And that kind of just broadened my awareness of what was really important and what I wanted to spend my time doing. The other piece of it was that the pandemic allowed me to work remotely for a period of time and also take an unpaid leave from my corporate job, which gave me the security to go back if it didn't work out, right? So I had the time to basically build out my business, start it, and then worst case scenario, if I failed, I kind of had a, a parachute, right, that I could go back. And in in reality, you can always go back. Like, mm-hmm. it, I didn't need that leave to have that security. When I thought about it much later, it was like, even even today, if it didn't work out, I could always go back to doing what I was doing before. I think people put a lot of weight on that and you just have to bet on yourself. It's worth it every time. So I think that's a very common story in a sense that people, you know, they develop this passion for fitness um, and it kind of leads them into a career because fitness had, you know, whether it was a life changing kind of impact on their own um, life or someone around them or whatever, whatever it is, but it leads them down the road of changing from a corporate job into a personal training or fitness career. Um, but what would you say were some of the early mistakes that, you know, you made and then learned from as you became a fitness professional? Uh, so I like to look at mistakes as opportunities for growth. I don't really like to like, I don't, I can't say that I regret anything. I will say a mistake and I, I'm sure this is very common, but definitely an early mistake was I was not as open-minded to alternative modalities in the beginning. Mm. In my mind, CrossFit was the end all be all. It was (laughs) the most superior form of fitness and you could not tell me otherwise. And no matter, like I just was you know, stuck to my guns with that. And it was very pig headed of me. And I was young, I was in my 20s. So you know, at the time, you think you know everything anyway. Um, But I wasn't open to as many alternative means as I as I am now, not nearly. 
Um, so expanding my knowledge in different realms over the years has been a huge growth opportunity. And that's maybe, maybe my only regret is that I wish I would have been more open to that early on. But outside of that, I would say holding on to my corporate job for longer than I should have mm -hmm. is a mistake that I made because I almost burnt myself out trying to do both and trying to maximize both. I don't really have a 50% in me. Like <laughs> if I'm going to commit to something, like I have to execute it to the fullest. And so trying to do a full-time job as well as another basically full-time job of running a gym and coaching and competing, I pushed myself further than I needed to for my capacity. And so if I could go back and change something, I would have taken the, taken the leap sooner to not try to do all the things at once. Did you always believe that, you know, you could actually do fitness as a career? Cause I think that's a huge barrier for people is that, you know, like the statistics don't really, they're not in the favor of personal trainers, right? You know, yeah. a lot of, a lot of people enter the industry and leave very, very quickly. What was your kind of mindset towards making this a career? Yeah, I will say, I think that a lot of people are really, really great coaches. I think that not everybody is a great business owner and they are two completely different skill sets and they can be learned, but it takes a lot more work than I think people are aware of to actually run the business day to day. And as far as, sorry, repeat your question for me, Dan, because I got a little sidetracked. Yeah, it's just people, peop, a lot of people enter the fitness industry or they're hesitant to enter the fitness industry because they don't believe that they can actually make yeah, a career like out of it. Yeah, the statistics of like the failure rate, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I think it is harder than people think that it is. But I've known that I wanted to do this full time, like that I wanted to make this a career since like, I remember having conversations about it as early as 2015. Mm -hmm. Like I will own a gym and I will do this full time. This is what I want to do with my life. Now, the way that that looks is different than the way that it did then, right? At the time I wanted to own a CrossFit gym at the time, you know, I wanted to train competitive athletes, like those <laughs> mm -hmm. priorities have adjusted, but I always knew that I wanted to be in this industry and changing lives for the better through physical fitness and habits. So that's, it's a very interesting evolution. Um, I mean, some people kind of go that route in terms of trainer to gym owner, but man, is it a tough one, right? Yeah. It is not an easy road to go down. A lot of failure happens um, with that. You know, describe to me some of your biggest barriers that you saw from making that leap. Because it's one thing to kind of work even as a GM in a gym mm -hmm. and then go to gym ownership. Because as a GM, you don't really have risk. I mean, you have your own kind of personal risk somewhat, but like, you know, your if things go sideways. Lot. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's You're not, still going to collect your salary. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. exactly. Hopefully. If you have a good no, owner. <laughs> um, so, talk to me about that transition. Like, what were some of the biggest barriers that you found 
um, whether it's from a mindset standpoint or actually just like going from being a trainer to ultimately a gym owner? Yeah. For me, I don't like to rush things. So uh, time was a big factor for me of just making sure that I completely understood what was going to be involved with making that transition. Being able to have the opportunity to be a GM of a gym for some years, that was highly beneficial. It gave me a lot of insight and the owner mentored me because I was very open with him about what my goals were and he Mm -hmm. facilitated that as much as he could. So he taught me a lot, which not everybody has that. I will say mentorship is one of the most valuable things anyone can invest in, regardless of what industry you're in across the board. Like that is, that is something that I have always believed in. I've never been one to say like, no, I'd rather do it on my own or I'd rather figure it out on my own. I used to be like that when I was younger and I I feel like I learned my lesson and I was like, no, like reach, ask for help. Right. Because the worst Mm -hmm. answer you're going to get is no. And then you, okay, you're back to square one. You figure it out on your own, right? There is a value in learning some things, but you don't always have to reinvent the wheel. There are always people that are going to be where you want to be. And so tapping into that resource and investing in that is huge. That's part of it. Um, I think that the other part was there was some fear with not having the security that I was used to. And that's where I knew that I needed a partner because that allowed me to take the time that I needed to take because I couldn't, I knew I couldn't go all in, quit my job all at once. I needed to be able to have somebody that would have um, equal skin in the game, but have a little bit more time commitment. I could do a lot more on the back end and set up systems and get things rolling and put in some time, but I needed someone that could put in a little bit more of the man hours on the front end while we got started so that that way we could get everything going while I still had the security to make it a comfortable transition for myself. So that way, and yes, I, I could have taken the leap in hindsight, but at that time, that's just not my style. I'm just not, I wasn't comfortable with it. Right. So that was a big piece for me is I, I knew for a long time that I wanted to do it with someone and finding the right partner was very key for me. Yeah, I mean, Jeff can probably speak to this more than I can um, in terms of partners. I mean, this is Greenlight's actually my first business. Um, that's not true. But my first gym business um, with Robin, a partner. You're not listening to this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but brick and mortar gyms, I find a very different business than kind of online. But, you know, one mm-hmm. thing that that I noticed when I entered entrepreneurship is you you get to know what you're good at very, very quickly. And you understand your shortcomings very, very quickly as well. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, having a partner, if you have a partner that has very similar traits to you, especially from like, you know, you know, work ethic is one thing, but just, you know, if you're both kind of like an operator, it doesn't always work, right? Yeah. You need someone that's going to have some different traits than you so that you guys can work like a yin and yang sort of situation and move the business forward. So talk to me a little bit about what you feel are your strongest traits as as now a, a first-time gym owner. 
Yeah. So for me, uh, attention to detail is huge. I am very analytical. I like the numbers. I like uh, operations and systems and putting things in place and having like uh, structure. And I do not love sales and okay. marketing. Really? You don't? Um, so I, You're yeah. very good at it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that I, actually I am, is very surprising to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm not, I am good at it, but it's, I'm good at it because I wholeheartedly believe in what I'm selling. So it doesn't feel like selling. I don't enjoy the marketing piece of it though. That's the part where like that, when it, that gets tied in, I just, I don't know. I just, I, I see the value in it, but I do not enjoy it. I've been trying to, you know, adjust my <laughs> mindset around it, but it's something that I've always struggled with. But the operation side of the business, uh, that's where I kind of shine. It's, it just comes easy to me and I enjoy it. And so I needed to find somebody that was a little more go with the flow and let like allowed my type A to, to do what it needs to do. Um, and also bring in the components that I struggled with that had some experience there, right? So Deontay, he had been a personal trainer for almost a decade at the time that we decided to partner up. And so he had experience with the sales piece and with, you know, working with one-on-one -on -one clients for longer than I had, what that churn looked like, what the retention looked like, all of that. So he brought a unique skill set to the table that I just didn't have experience with. Whereas I, had, I knew how to run a business from the operations point of it. And so it was a, a really good union when we put our heads together. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I see it firsthand now with Greenlight Ashburn. Um, I mean, you guys seem to work well, really well together. I mean, Jeff and I, I guess, don't see complete behind the scenes. And if you guys <laughs> are kind of like at each other's throats at certain times, that's also a natural part of, of a business partnership, I guess. Um, and overcoming yeah. those things. But so now that you're kind of, what are we? Are we four months in now? Five months in of Ashburn being open? Yeah, we're, March will be our fifth month. We're four oh. months in. So obviously, congratulations. Um, Thank you. What has, what has shocked you the most of being a business owner now? A brick and mortar gym owner. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it's very different. Um, the fear that came back, I was very cautious in the beginning when we started our business, when we were operating out of our homes, but there was less risk, right? Because there was very little overhead expenses and opening the brick and mortar location when there was this bottleneck effect of, okay, your build out cost this much and then your rent is going to start, you know, being incurred. And then we've got other expenses coming down the pipeline and we're trying to build our clientele simultaneously. When the pressure of that was applied, there was some doubt that came back that I was very surprised about. And I know that it's natural, but I didn't see it coming because I felt very confident leading all the way, I would say up to like our grand opening. And I think I had, even with our delays with construction, As you and do. I had, yep. yeah, this, I think I envisioned this like 
influx in January after mm-hmm. the new year. And when that didn't happen, then I, there was some doubts that came up that it scared me. Like at, at one point I remember like calling Deontay and being like, yo, like what if this doesn't work? <laughs> right. Right. Like, what if, and we talked through it and it was just like, that's not an option and it will work. And we're going to be fine. And we set like rehashed out like, okay, what are our goals? What do we need right now? And like, how can we, you know, be a little leaner until things start flowing? That was the first surprise. The next surprise was then the the immediate momentum to follow, <laughs> right? Of like just blew up in February and we were like, oh, like it was like oh. a big exhale. <laughs> um, and I would say the other things were all expected because I have, I've run a team before, Mm -hmm. like the, the operations and the HR piece of it and like communication, all of that, I knew what to expect and I felt very comfortable in. It was the uncertainty around the, the building of the clientele that was probably the scariest part. I mean, that's, that's probably, that's not the the last time you're going to feel that. Yeah. Probably. You know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those things that, that happens like in different, to different degrees as a gym owner, right? You go through, there's high months, there's low months. Um, and now that you're the owner, it's kind of like, you know, you, you, you feel every single pound that's laying on your chest at that point of, of pressure. And, but that's also fun to some degree, right? (laughs) You know, if you don't enjoy that, then business ownership probably isn't the right direction um, for you. But I'll tell you what, Lakin, like that, what you just described there, I did not see whatsoever um, from you and Deontay. Like even going through the training (laughs) process with you guys early on, like you guys were like cool as cucumbers. There was never really <laughs> roller. Maybe you, you went to Jeff for these things and I just didn't see it, but I, ne- you never saw like the roller coaster on it. And like, it's what gave me the impression and just the confidence. I knew you guys were going to be successful from the outset. Even if you had a couple slow months, I knew things would turn around because you just had this kind of dedication towards the craft and making this thing work. It just like never seemed like an option that, you would have yeah. like a failed business. It's just not, I just don't see it. Right. No, in all honesty, failure has never been an option. Uh, right. And I have a very good poker face, but there, right. there's only been twice ever that I've even spoken out loud to Deontay outside of this podcast <laughs> <laughs> that, that I've ha- have like spoken any doubt out loud. I usually like, I am, I'm very analytical and I'm very hard on myself, but I keep it buttoned up usually. (laughs) So now that you're a gym owner and sort of you've taken your career and it's evolved from a a coach, a trainer, uh, and now to a gym owner, how do you see yourself evolving over the next, you know, two, three, five years um, now that you've taken this kind of step towards entrepreneurship? Yeah, it's funny because it's hard for me to say I used to forecast my goals long-term pretty like blatantly. And now I remain much more open just because even a year ago, 
I would have said, I don't see myself not being in the day-to-day of the gym, right? Like I want to be very hands-on with my clients. I want to maintain a book of clientele. I want to be coaching every single day in the gym. That's very important to me. Mm -hmm. Now that I've been working more with my clients on mindset coaching and more of like the wellness side of it, that piece has been more rewarding than I ever expected. and. I would like to see where that goes in a little bit more depth, like eventually be able to transition it into um, a more concentrated program where perhaps there's like a retreat involved with it, something like that. So that way I can get them, you know, in a controlled environment for a period of days to really get some, some real change in place that, and you know, at some point we obviously want to be lucrative enough that we're able to have some more investment opportunities become available to us and Mm -hmm. possibly some other passive revenue streams um, coming in and just remaining open to other new passions that could come, you know, down the pipeline. But that's the thing, right? That's, that's the beauty of this game is that you build something to allow yourself that time and financial freedom to be able to continue to grow as a person over time. So you're never limiting yourself. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a trajectory that, you know, many attempt, but many fail um, mm-hmm. that I've seen anyways. You know, it's it's rare to kind of see a very hands-on, on-floor trainer coach who is, you know, 50 plus years old, right? Yeah. <laughs> you don't see them very often. And there's a reason for that because the industry kind of chews them up and spits them out. And, you know, those long hours are hard to, hard to maintain for you know, a long, long period of time. And so, you know, what you just described there is just kind of an evolution. There's still a lot of coaching that you want to do, it sounds like. Um, But Mm -hmm. also now you're looking at it from, you know, top down on, okay, you know, I'm in the fitness industry, I'm in control, I'm having impact on people's lives, positive impact of that. And now I can build kind of my career around being a gym owner, which could open yourself up to, you know, other opportunities moving forward. Um, so I love hearing about that kind of like evolution and you're like the next steps that you kind of want to take. Um, but one of the steps that you did take was signing on with Greenlight. Um, yeah. And, you know, you took a risk on Jeff and I and Scott and Dave. Um, and I just want to kind of dig into that a little bit. Like, what kind of made you guys decide to go the franchise route, not even just franchise route, but Greenlight as like an emerging brand and our very first Greenlight franchisee? What what was kind of the, you know, the thinking behind it and what, what led you guys to making the ultimate decision? Yeah, so I think the number one thing would be how aligned we are with the green light vision. Everything that was told to us, even in the very early stages of brainstorming this idea, it really spoke to us a lot. And so this was, you know, when we were, after we had joined PT Legends. And so we already had had a lot of exposure and experience with Scott and Dave one-on-one and we knew you guys also as mentors. And so the trust factor was big, but 
the values and the goal of the company spoke to us a lot. It, we were very much aligned with it. And I would say that's number one. Number two was that we recognized that it was going to put us years ahead of where we would be on our own, right? So with proven systems, like cumulatively altogether, the four of you guys have years and years of experience in gym ownership of different types is the other thing, right? That's key. It's not just one, you know, one sect of the industry. Like there's multiple um, sections that are covered there. Uh, online, personal training, group fitness, like lots of different avenues and business mentorships, specifically small gym business mentorship, right? So with proven systems and mentors that we trusted and the alignment of values, it was kind of a no brainer. It was something where when it was, you know, first spoken to us, we were like, we're very interested and like you tell, keep us updated, let us know more when it's an option. Right. Um, and it just, it allows us to focus on what matters to us the most, which is our clients and the parts of our business that we genuinely enjoy doing. And which I think puts us at a, an extreme advantage. Like I said earlier, you know, why reinvent the wheel if you can find a proven system that you believe in, implement it. Couldn't have said that better myself, right, Jeff? <laughs> no, I just yeah, they, we like you. Hold too. back those we tears, love you guys. Yeah, hold back <laughs> those tears. Um, I love that. So you know, as we talk about green light a little bit, and what our kind of vision and mission is, as we look at the fitness industry as a whole, you know, we see so many holes in it. Right. And that's really yeah. what green, why green light came to be is because of, you know, the lack of results clients are getting the, you know, the chew you up, spit you out sort of um, personal training industry and the amount of broke gym owners that Jeff <laughs> and I have worked with, you know, it's why we created this. It, it really, really is. And, you know, I stand by this every day and, you know, it's getting to a point where like, I, not that I'm getting sick of saying it, but like, I, I just want everyone to hear it and understand that it is totally true. Like everything that we're saying and the reason that we, we did this and the, the three kind of main points there are very much real and they're, they're the truth behind this, this brand. But where do you think that this industry is going? Just your you know, insights working in it for over a decade now, like where do you feel that it's going? I think that there is slowly more awareness around the long-term sustainable approach, right? Like people are starting to understand that the eight week, you know, rip body boot camp or 90 day hard or whatever it is that you're trying to do that has like some finish line associated with it is not mm -hmm. going to give you long-term sustainable results, A, and also not going to give you joy in your life. <laughs> it is going to be temporarily miserable and yield some fast wins that do not last. So I think that that's part of it. But at the same time, I, I think it's creating some polarization, right? Because 
you're always going to have the marketing gimmicks that are for the quick, easy, you know, the easy button options, because Mm -hmm. that is what sells. That's what's sexy. Yeah. And so finding a way, the way that we do of selling people what they want, but giving them what they need, that's emerging a little bit more from what I've seen in the industry. There's also obviously like a lot more, you know, tech involved in automation, which a lot of people find scary, but I think that if you embrace it and use it to your advantage, that it can be highly beneficial. But I do see this kind of gap between widening, I think, between like remote options and in-person options. And they're going to continue to try to differentiate themselves in the market more and more by talking about, you know, the high touch approach versus like, we're going to market you a, a fast, quick, easy, you know, fat burner, whatever it is. Um, integrating wearable tech more and more, I think is going to be more prevalent and utilizing internal data and biometrics is really big right now and emerging more and more people using, you know, blood labs and DNA testing Mm -hmm. and things like that to contribute to their retention and showing clients what's really happening under the hood, so to say. Um, And yeah, I think that's, that's probably it. I think convenience will always be key, but long-term sustainable habits are the new emerging primary focus. And finding a way to blend those, to like sell the convenience the way that we do with our tracker, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. give them the long-term sustainable results that are going to improve their lifestyle forever. That's what's like up and coming. It's funny. I, I have a, a, a two examples of exactly what you're talking about is um, Orange Theory and Fit Body Bootcamp. I've seen Orange Theory started calling their workouts personal training. And it's because they're starting to, I I don't know why, but that's in our area, they would, they would advertise their training as personal training, even though it's in a group and it's very different from what we do. But I thought that was an interesting take. And the other one is that Fit Body Bootcamp is offering a 12 week transformation. Um, Mm -hmm. And so you're starting to see these group fitness models that are like week free, 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 month free, 12 workouts free, and they're moving towards a more personal approach because I think they're starting to realize that people are starting to buy what they need more and more. Yeah. And I think we're getting closer and closer to that. So I think obviously that's what we're here for to do, right. Is to keep pushing that envelope uh, uh, pretty aggressively with green light. So. Yeah. Because once they try all those things, they're only going to do them for a period of time and then realize I can't sustain this progress or I'm miserable or I'm not getting the progress that I want. Right. And then they will seek out a more personalized approach. Yeah. It's almost like coming to the understanding that, well, in my opinion, you know, there's some things that are never going to change, especially when it comes to, you know, making changes in your habits. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is always going to come down to accountability Um, And the best way to hold yourself accountable is through um, relationships. And that's done with real human connection. And so when we look at this industry as a whole, you know, we can change all of the tech that we want. We can add all sorts of flares. We can call things different names. 
and change the length of our front end programs. But at the end of the day, what's really going to make change in people's lives is going to be the accountability and the real human connection relationships that are built. Um, yeah. And everything That's else. Why I like- People are going to skip a Peloton workout because the trainer on the screen is not going to call them out, right? But if you're letting a real human being down that you have a scheduled appointment with, that's a whole different game. Well, I think the other thing is, is that the trainer on the screen for Peloton is also not going to resonate with, you know, the fact that you missed your workout today because, you know, your kid is sick and you had to take him to the doctor or something like that, right? That's never... You know, there's no relatability. There's nothing like that. And, um, you know, Peloton doesn't allow you to make those changes sustainably in in your lifestyle should you need them for a week. Right. It's like, oh, no, I just missed my workout. I didn't burn my 400 calories, I guess. uh, And then it goes back to the all or nothing mentality. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So as we kind of wrap this up, like in like, if you could give some advice to whether it's a, a personal trainer or a coach, a GM, a, another gym that you know wants to continue in the fitness industry and make it a, a sustainable career for them and move into gym ownership, what would that advice be? And I, I apologize for putting you on the spot, but I'm very curious to what you would tell someone in, the, in those shoes. Yeah. Um, so... There's a couple of things I would tell them. And some of these things I still continue to tell myself. because I don't listen all the time, but I would say the basics will always beat out the gimmicks. So there's no magic in programming, like <laughs> stick with the basics, squat, hinge, push, pull, carry, and eat a balanced meal, right? Protein and fiber with every meal and consistency that that is always going to beat out fancy gimmicks or whatever you have that you want supplements, whatever it is. Um, I would say that prioritize a strong social media presence and invest in continued education as much as possible. I do the latter and struggle with the former. That's something I'm working on. But it is very important because it is it is your unlimited platform that you have to showcase what you do and your message and your voice. And you can literally talk to anyone in the world. So it is highly valuable. And the last thing is that everyone who is succeeding has a coach. Even your favorite fitness influencers, even people that you think know it all, everyone that is succeeding in what they're doing, I think has a coach in some realm of their life that is helping to get them where they want to be. And so it's worth it. Wise, wise, wise words. You actually had some good taglines in there. I think you're better oh, yeah. at marketing than, uh, than you <laughs> may think. Um, but uh, that's awesome. Um, so that's kind of a wrap for today. So Lakin, thank you so much for, for joining us and telling us your story. It's, uh, I learned a lot of things there that I definitely didn't know about you. So it was awesome to hear and it was a blast to have you on the pod. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Appreciate it so I'm going to put uh, your details in the show notes so everyone can actually follow you on social media and check out <laughs> all the hard work that you're putting Great. in. Um, <laughs> and they can check out, you know, Greenlight Ashburn to see how much you guys are crushing it already. So have a great day, everyone. Lakin, thanks again. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.